The Not Most People podcast is for those who despise mediocrity, reject the status quo, and challenge conventional wisdom. Join host Bradley Roth and discover what separates the winners, outliers, and standouts from most people. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Not Most People podcast. This is your host Bradley and this is the show for those allergic to mediocrity, groupthink, and following the status quo. And before I get into today's episode, I would just like to remind you guys of the one ask that I have for you as a listener. And that is basically if you get value out of this episode, if you're entertained, if you leave with a new insight or way of thinking, that you just simply share it with a friend. And that could be individually, it could be through social media, however you want to do that. But it's greatly, greatly appreciated if you basically just return value to me if you feel I provided it to you first through the content. So that's always just the one ask. If you want to go above and beyond sharing the episode, a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify is also greatly appreciated. Having said that, the one other thing I would like to mention before we get into it is the Not Most People Alliance. So the Not Most People Alliance is a community mastermind and networking group centered around the ideology of not most people. So if you want to get in touch and get connected with more people who kind of think like not most people, that is probably the best place to do that. And you can find information on that at notmostpeople.net slash alliance. And that will also be linked in the show notes. So that's really it for housekeeping today. I'm going to get right into it. I have basically a concept with some specific examples that I want to share with you and kind of hopefully kind of shift the way that we approach problems or think about problems, not just on a individual level, but on a societal level as well. And I'm going to be speaking mainly on what I know, which is the United States, Western culture, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of this applies to the world as a whole right now and kind of where things are headed. So I'm going to be speaking to kind of a variety of different, I don't know, quote unquote problems in our society right now or things that might be trending in the wrong direction. And what I would like to point out first is that regardless of where you stand on kind of any major issue in our society right now, I mean, it could be anything. We're talking about the economy, healthcare, uh, rises in divorces, depression, and many other kind of things that we don't like, that we don't want, and things that are moving in the wrong direction as a whole. The fact is that all major problems exist and continue to grow because most people would rather take the simple, quick, or easy route to just kind of temporarily band-aid the problem rather than treat and treat the symptom rather than go in and take care of the root cause. And so I'm going to go through kind of some different areas one by one, talk about first off what the problem is in that area, what kind of band-aids or temporary fixes are being applied to it, and then what the real solution is that I believe. And we're not going to get super deep. This is going to stay kind of high level, but I want to start with the healthcare system, right? Overall, we have constantly increasing levels of obesity, cancer, heart disease, basically everything that is not good is we're seeing more of it. And so the way that I think we've been conditioned to think, 
especially in the United States, is, oh, take this pill, take this potion, this shot, use this cream, whatever it is, the kind of this like magical, oh, here, here's your fix in a pill. And I think that clearly is not working. And I think the real solution is creating healthier habits and lifestyles, which obviously is much more difficult than saying, oh, yeah, let me just take this medicine, prescription, potion, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's this, like, I don't know, there's so much money in quick and easy. Like you see big pharma commercials far more than you see like health and fitness commercials. And obviously we'd like that to be flip-flopped. The United States is one of only two countries in the world that is even allowed to advertise for pharma. So it's kind of crazy. I mean, this is not to go on a rant against big pharma, but the mentality of that permeates everything, right? This idea that we can just kind of take this one little thing, it'll solve all our problems and uh, make them go away. But really, until we create those healthier habits and lifestyles, we're going to be plagued with all of these things that we don't like to see that cause sickness, death, and they're only going to go up. So that's kind of the healthcare system in a nutshell. When we apply this thinking to the financial system, right now, people have more debt than ever. Countries have more debt than ever. The middle class is shrinking. Inflation is going through the roof. And the Band-Aid approach has been to print more money, to give people countless ways to finance things, to go into debt, to kind of cover their expenses, to leverage themselves, live beyond their means. And, you know, I've been guilty of this at times myself. But I know that the real solution is not to kind of find that thing that's going to get you through or be able to afford that one thing, and then you can worry about it later. It's kind of this like never-ending cycle once we get into that. But the real solution is teaching and learning financial literacy and discipline at, I think, earlier ages. Like It's something that I think should be kind of a, a basic requirement in the education system. Like I know growing up, I, I didn't really learn about taxes and financing and savings and investing and stuff like that. I think just some real basic stuff there at an earlier level would solve a lot of problems before it's like too late for people. And then they're in a you know financial hole trying to get out of and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the real solution that we need to take is that education is obviously a huge part. I mean, I mentioned it also before about creating healthier habits and lifestyles. That's probably going to be just a recurring theme throughout all of this. The solution is always in education in the learning. Right. Not to beat a dead horse, but that's kind of one of the main overarching concepts here. So, you know, financial discipline, obviously, it can seem kind of boring or not fun in the beginning, but that's going to really be, I think, the uh, the solution if we're ever going to kind of turn things around financially as a society. And again, I'm talking about kind of things as a society, but all of these things are first implemented on the personal level. Right. So you start with the micro and it affects the macro. And that's how I think it all starts with personal responsibility. Anyways, moving on to the next kind of issue right now is this overconsumption, right? Or this culture of consumerism. And, you know, we're constantly bombarded with marketing that tells us that we're basically just like that one purchase away from feeling better. And that when we have enough and that we are keeping up with the Joneses, that we'll finally be happy or we'll be satisfied. And I think on a deep level, we all know that's a bunch of BS, that it's very hard to buy happiness through material things, and that the real solution is cultivating a sense of gratitude, of giving, of creating a new new perspective. And I think those are the only things that will ever 
let us truly feel like we have enough. And I think that is something like gratitude that is, you know, on one side of society, the not most people side, the people who are into personal development, who are very conscious of the way they're living, they are full of gratitude. But the average person gets sucked into the cycle of consumerism and they rarely take time to sit down and think, man, I, I'm I'm so lucky I have all of this. And all they think about is what they don't have, right? Where focus goes, energy flows. And so it's just kind of shifting that whole perspective to like, oh man, what do, what don't I have to I'm so grateful for what I have right now. And that again is a yeah, it's a huge perspective shift for many people. And then moving on to <laughs> the dating world, right? People talk about dating these days and it has like almost like a negative connotation. Like no one no one wants to like be in the dating world because it's, you know, people are getting ghosted and there's no such thing as real dating anymore. Everything's Netflix and chill, right? There's kind of this, I don't know, I feel like a negative trend or energy in the dating space and the band-aid that we're given or that we're told to believe is that if we just look the right way, if we wear the right clothes or say the right things that you will just attract that special person into your life. And I'll go into this more in the next section, but really I think we know that the solution on a foundational level is doing the work and the personal development to become the type of person who your ideal partner would naturally find attractive and be attracted to, right? You can go out, there's people who date, 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 and they just go through relationship, relationship, relationship. And um, clearly it's not about what they look like. It's something on a deeper personal level that is not working. And so if we can do that work, we'll naturally attract the right people instead of becoming this society of people. And this obviously doesn't go for everyone, but people who, seem to keep attracting the wrong type of people into their life. And then going from dating into relationships, the problem right now, divorce and infidelity is probably as high as it's ever been. And we're kind of, I think, sold this romantic idea from a young age of a soulmate, that if we're lucky enough and we date enough people, that the right person will just kind of fall into our laps and everything will work out and everything will be easy and it'll just feel right all the time. Um, but I think anyone who's been in a, a real serious long-term relationship knows that that is not how things really work. Success is not that simple in that area. We know that first, in order to fix our relationships with others, we need to first fix our relationships with our, our relationship with ourselves. We need to learn how to communicate. We need to learn how to behave with maturity in order to have a healthy, functional relationship and to know that relationships are hard work. So we need to really, I think, shift the paradigm when it comes to serious relationships and and what really goes into creating that. Because clearly, you know, the way that divorces have been trending for decades now uh, is not in the right direction. And I think we are kind of sold more and more this idea of a soulmate because that's like what sells. It sounds nice. It sounds romantic, but it's just, maybe that happens once in a while. You just meet Prince Charming and everything is good to go forever. But that's, uh, I think, rarely, rarely the case. And then moving on to parenting, I feel like we see more and more kids is who can't entertain themselves, who struggle socially or have trouble regulating their emotions and functioning uh, by themselves in the real world. And I think this comes from a Band-Aid approach of giving kids who have, you know, too much energy or too loud or whatever, giving them screens, giving them cell phones, iPads, 
video games to kind of keep them occupied, keep them quiet, and let you kind of do what you're doing. And I know it's <laughs> it's a uh, very tempting thing to do, and I'm not a parent yet, so obviously, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for doing that stuff, but I think the long-term impacts of that are far worse than the benefits of the short-term kind of keeping them occupied. And so I think the real solution is making more time to give kids the love and attention that they need, but also giving them more creative, healthy outlets to explore and spend their time and energy and seeing kids get back to like playing outside all day instead of sitting in front of a screen all day, which I think has become the norm. So that also creates, that also takes a major, major shift from a lot of parents to start to change that paradigm. And then related to kind of the iPads and screens and stuff like that, we see this other problem society of constant escapism, right? People who just constantly need to be scrolling through social media, watching entertainment, like, you know, can't spend time with themselves, right? There's these bit or, or they're using it to kind of uh, push away something that they're uncomfortable with or an uncomfortable feeling. And we have so many available band-aids to us in this area. Now uh, we have movies, we have video games, alcohol, weed, and other, you know, unproductive dopamine overloaded outlets that kill our focus, that kind of never really solve those problems that we're trying to escape from. And the real solution here, I believe, is doing the deep work to truly fix and heal what leads us to want to escape or distract ourselves. We need to develop discipline. We need to cultivate a positive mindset. And we need to make an effort to fill our lives with things that make us happy and move us forward. And unfortunately for the vast majority of people, that's not really ever a thought. You know, like when something's bothering you, the first thought or the first instinct is to go to something that is going to make you feel happy in the moment, right? Those things that we mentioned, video games, alcohol, whatever that vice might be, or that distraction or that entertainment might be, it's kind of, you're trying to fill this void that's never going to be filled with those things. And so we need to, I think, make personal development as popular as we make entertainment and escapism. And the world, I think, would change on a massive level if we we're able to do that. And then finally, the mental health crisis, right? We know that this is something that has gotten worse over recent years. It's continuing to get worse. We're seeing steady rises in suicide and depression and anxiety and things like ADD. And the list just goes on and on. And this may be kind of an unpopular thing to say, in some circles, but the band-aid that we get of more medications, like more people being medicated than ever, more more kind of like isolation and that sort of thing, I believe is just the the opposite of what is gonna help the vast majority of people. Sure, there's people out there that they need medication and they need those sorts of things, but I believe that the vast majority of mental illnesses could be reversed and not only like reversing some of these things through personal development, through understanding psychology, through understanding how to deal with your emotions and not let them get away from you. But I think more so than the reversing or the treating of these things is the prevention, right? And I think this goes for everything that we've talked about, right? Prevention is the key. And a, like a healthy lifestyle prevents the need for re regular health care. Financial discipline and knowledge prevents the need for financing and going into debt and those kinds of things, right? Like, so all of the, like, and I could go on and on and all of these preventative measures, I think 
is the mindset change that we need. So instead of the fix, it's prevent. I know that'll make sense to most of you guys, but I think if kids grow up and they understand their emotions and they understand how to deal with them and cope with them, how to create healthy habits and all that kind of stuff, it will make it so much more difficult for mental health problems to arise. And that's a, that's a truth. That's a fact. I know that there's certain things that chemically are they're imbalanced, but also we can affect those things far more than most people believe. And the rate of growth of all these problems correlates with this increased overall focus on the short-term fix over the long-term solution. With this constant evolution towards an instant gratification society on the superficial or easy rather than the deep or difficult. And so I would say that as a society, we have a lot of work to do, but it all starts with changing how we look at potential solutions for every problem and starting to treat the symptom will never treat the root cause. And therefore, the symptoms will continue to rise back to the surface again and again and again. And while we may not think that we can do a lot to influence things on a large scale, you might be thinking, you know, who am I? These problems are beyond me. They can't be fixed. Everything great starts small, one person at a time. It starts with you and your examples that then spread to your friends, your family, the people you know, the people who follow you on social media, the list goes on, everyone that you kind of like touch in your life, you can make an exponential difference just by showing people, by setting the example, by educating, by proving that the instant gratification, quick fix approach in society doesn't lead to where we want to go. So always remember, it's the long term, it's the not so simple, it's the kind of the deeper and typically more difficult approach that is the long term answer. So I would just ask you guys to kind of think about that share this again, please. If you feel someone needs to hear it, if someone is going to get something out of it, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. And always remember, don't be most people.